The Falcons opt against playing their starters in their 24 to nothing beatdown at the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers to close out the preseason. Was it the right call? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So welcome back to another illustrious episode of this Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. have covered the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com. RIP. You may also know me as Sirius Black. You may also know me as Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew, but you can become my friend by becoming an everydayer. And all you have to do is check out this podcast as your first listen each and every day, first watch each and every day. All you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So we are coming at you you know, within an hour or so uh, Thursday night after the Falcons uh, shutout loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to, to close out the 2023 preseason with a one, one and one record, uh, but, you know, synergy, baby. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about some of the rookies like Clark Phillips and DeMarco Hellams that stood out. We'll talk about sort of what this game really kind of represented, which was these guys, that are fighting for roster spots or mostly practice squad spots, really auditioning for not only for the Falcons, but for other teams around the league as on Tuesday, we'll have that massive cut down from 90 players to 53 and, you know, roughly what, like a thousand players are going to be, you know, cut uh, on Tuesday. And, and, you know, a lot of those guys will never get other opportunities in the NFL ever again. But, you know, in this game, the Steelers decided to play their starters, right? They played them for the first two series. They dominated the Falcons backups in this game, got out to a 14, nothing lead, never looked back at that point. And, you know, there was a lot of frustration, at least on Twitter uh, from folks, um, you know, complaining about the Falcons choosing not to play their starters. And, you know, this is why I know that a lot of everydayers are not the, out there on Twitter or Twix or X or whatever you want to call it. All right. Because we've been talking about this, you know, all week long that the Falcons were probably not going to play their starters. And so everydayers here on Lockdown Falcons have had, you know, several days to wrap their head around the idea and, and prepare to not see their starters. Now, of course, a lot of people, you know, as I saw people, adding me and whatnot were like, oh, Mike Tomlin's playing his starters. Yeah, Mike Tomlin played his starters last year in the third preseason game, and they started the season one and four. So, any, you know, again, Mike Tomlin has every right to make his choice. Uh, again, not saying he made the right choice, the wrong choice, or whatever. It's his prerogative to play his team, get his team prepared for the season the best way that he thinks possible. It's the same thing for Arthur Smith, right? And, you know, I think people that try to draw that direct correlation between you know, snap counts in, in the preseason and in regular season success and failure, I, I think is a little stretch. Now, I'm sure some of you guys are like, wait a second, Aaron, weren't you trying to do that like two years ago? And it's like, yes, you're right. I did complain about the Falcons not playing their starters back in 2021 when our starters only played like four snaps. But to me, again, I think context matters. 
But to me, it was a different time given it was a brand new regime, brand new scheme, or not brand new, but like a variation of the same scheme that they had run, but it was new and, and you wanted to get that cohesion. And at that time, you know, to basically have the confidence in Arthur Smith and his regime and his coaching staff to basically say, oh, like all we need is practice to get ready for the regular season. They hadn't proved anything up to that point for me to buy into that notion. And so it was like, yeah, I want to see the starters to, to prove that they're ready to go for week one, but we're now in year three of the Arthur Smith regime. And I don't feel as strongly about it. Right. I don't feel like there's as much pressure on them to have to maximize how many reps that the starters are getting in the regular season. And again, you guys are entitled. If you disagree, that's fine. Who cares? Like, you know, like I would have liked to see the starters. Sure. You don't get me wrong. You know, I just find it funny. Like my comment section last week was like, the starters were great. How dare you criticize them? And, you know, I, I guess everybody that wasn't commenting on that video was just going on Twitter on Thursday and, and complaining about the starters. So it just, those, those two realities don't mesh in my brain, but uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Now, again, I would have liked to see someone like a Matthew Bergeron get another series or two. Yes, that would have been great to see. Do I feel as passionate that it's a huge mistake that we didn't get to see that? Not, not really. So, you know, at no point this summer has, or again, this is me talking to you, the everydayers, but at no point this summer did we talk about this third preseason game as anything other than basically this audition for guys to potentially make a practice squad or, or for another team. And so, We'll see how that goes. And, you know, to in defense of Arthur Smith, you know, I don't I don't know what he said in his post game presser or whatever. But like, you know, you can make an argument that seeing what this backup offensive line especially looks like against quality pass rushers like TJ Watt and others in this game was was valuable to them because we don't know who our swing tackle is going to be. And in the event that that swing tackle gets on the field in the regular season. He's not going up against third stringers. He's going to, he's, you know, he's not going up against TJ Watt because he's not on our schedule, but you know, potentially you might be going up against Jeffrey Simmons. You might be going up against Daniel Hunter. You might be going up, up against the washed corpse of, of Cam Jordan at some point in the season. So getting those reps and seeing if basically anybody could tread water against the Steelers starters uh, in terms of their defense I think has some value, maybe not as much value as other people feel like, you know, playing the other starters would be, but again, to each of their own. So to me, I won't sit here and say it was a mistake. You know, even if the Falcons don't play the best that they could play in week one, I probably still wouldn't, you know, play revisionist historian and say it was a mistake. Like, you know, if the Falcons, you know, I don't know if, how many reps would Desmond Ritter need to have in order to look sharp in his fifth, NFL game you like you know you got a young court I, I get it again I get all the criticisms I think the criticisms are fair but it's just one of those things where it's like we'll see what happens you know it usually takes a couple of games for the you know this offense and most offenses in the NFL to get rolling so it is kind of what it is but we'll, we'll see how it all plays out we'll continue today's episode uh, talking about sort of the key moments in this game we'll also get into a conversation about some of the draft class players like Clark Phillips and DeMarco Hellams that did get to show me something in this game that we hadn't seen before uh in the preseason and we'll continue that on today's Locked on Falcons so you guys can probably tell if you're watching on video that I'm no stranger to shaving right because I got a beard get beard gang you know whatnot 
And I'm eagerly anticipating getting my hands on our next sponsor, which is Harry's. I've been checking my mailbox daily to see if I can get those legendary high quality razors and skin products and when they arrive so I can get that patented Harry's premium shave without having to play those premium prices. Uh, they have German made blades that stay sharp where the eighth shave is just as sharp as the first. They're sleek, ergonomic weighted handles that look great and give you that precise control with each swipe that you need. And I'm sure some of you are like, but Aaron, you have a beard. And it's like, oh, that doesn't mean I don't shave, my friend. You got to keep this thing trim and tight and moisturized. And Harry's awful also offers creams, washes, and lotions that are going to keep my skin healthy and hydrated. You know, that's what I really like. Uh, and so Harry's has so also has the highest customer satisfaction in the industry. They're still willing to offer you guys a no-risk trial, right? If you don't like your shave, no worries. It's on them. So you can get the best shave ever with Harry's razors and skincare products, and you can get a $13 starter set for just $3 if you go to harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter ship starter set. And that, I guess, guys, is a group of starters that you can count on actually showing up. So to recap the game, we, you know, we got Kenny Pickett. Looking sharp on that opening drive, I'm sure that didn't also contribute to Falcon fans' frequent criticisms, at least on Twitter, uh, about wanting to see their own second-year quarterback look sharp uh, in a preseason game. We got some great passes from Kenny Pickett on that opening drive to Deontay Johnson. He beat Breon Borders for like 33 yards. Then George Pickens made a great catch on another great throw from Kenny Pickett beating Natron Brooks for 35 yards. That set up a one-yard touchdown uh, to Najee Harris. Uh, the Falcons went three and out with Taylor Heineke out there. Uh, they moved backwards on their first two plays, including a sack where T.J. Watt swim past not only Tyler Vrabel, but also Godwin Iguabuque to get that sack. There was a nice punt return by Steelers wide receiver Calvin Austin, 21 yards. He would have probably scored if, if not for DeMarco Helms making a touchdown-saving tackle. Uh, that set up another quick score for the Steelers like three plays later. Jalen Warren sort of plunged in the end zone for an eight-yard score. Falcons had another three and out. Then Mitch Trubisky came back in the game, and it was then uh, running back Anthony McFarland that had the key play. He sort of bounced a run where Breon Borders lost contain. Rough night for Breon Borders uh, for 31 yards. Uh, Damone Harris did get a sack on the third down to force Pittsburgh to settle for a 38-yard field goal on that drive. Then we saw Heineke get the hook after one series, and Logan Woodside came in. We did get a first down on the next series on the slant to John Fitzpatrick, and then things stalled. Uh, then the Steelers got the ball back, scored again on their next drive, uh, thanks to a defensive holding penalty, this time against Natron Brooks, gifted him a third down conversion around midfield. Then Breon Borders had another bad penalty on a DPI, defensive pass interference, on an overthrow from Trubisky to Gunnar Oshevsky. That put the ball down at the five-yard line. And then the next play, McFarland scored to push Pittsburgh's lead to 17-0 with less than six minutes to go in the half. Uh, and, and after that point, it was, uh, no, it's 24, nothing. I'm sorry. I can't do math. Um, and, um, after that, it was just the team's trading punches. Um, and, uh, the Falcons did have one good drive. They put together one good offensive series in this game to start the second half. But unfortunately, Carlos Washington fumbled at the Steelers eight yard line when he got sandwiched in between two defenders. So pretty much a ho-hum, a ho-hum would probably be generous to describe it. 
uh, type of performance. You know, we did not get to see Bijan Robinson or Matthew Bergeron when we look at the Falcons rookie draft class, as we've assessed in each of these preseason recaps. We did get to see Zach Harrison, Clark Phillips, DeMarco Hellams, and Jovan Gwynn. Uh, neither Harrison or Gwynn really stood out to me. You know, I wasn't really keen on Gwynn all that much when he was in the game. Uh, he got into the game pretty early with Ryan Newell getting a pretty quick hook as well. Um, you know, I was mostly focused on the offensive tackles rather than the interior when I was watching the offensive line in this game. Uh, Harrison had a couple of good plays, but the issue that I've seen repeatedly this summer in every preseason game showed its ugly head a couple of times in this game as well, which is his lateness off the snap. And there's just too many plays where he's late off the ball. Um, and like in the preseason, that's not a huge issue just because like he's so much bigger, longer and stronger than most of the, like the second and third string tackles that he's facing that he can kind of compensate for that. But if you're laid off the ball in the regular season and you're going up against Iki Kwanu or David Bakhtiari or Penny Sewell, like he's going to be going up in, in the regular season to start the year. Like if you're laid off the ball and you're giving that guy, you know, that head start coming off that ball, like you're going to be put on your butt. I don't care how big and strong you are against caliber of tackles like that. So that's something that I do think Zach Harrison definitely needs to fix. But in terms of the rookies that stood out, it was really the the Clark Phillips and DeMarco Hellum show. Those are really the only guys that really stood out to me in this game. But I will admit I was checked out for large chunks, large chunks of the game. So Phillips, I think, had a nice a couple of nice tackles early in the game. And that's notable because we talked about in his college days, he made a lot of business decisions when it came to run support where he was just kind of like Olay and just like doing the bare minimum. Um, and we talked about how, if he was going to survive as a nickel cornerback in the NFL, like that issue needed to be nipped in the butt. Right. And we were concerned about, okay, how effective is our nickel cornerback going to be in run support with Isaiah Oliver gone to San Francisco and now leaving us with two undersized uh, corners in D Alford and Clark Phillips. Right. You know, Alford is not the biggest guy, but he gives enough effort there to kind of make up for it. And the question with Clark Phillips that I had was, would we see the same from Clark Phillips? And I certainly think tonight we did see that. So he was making business decisions, but they were actually good decisions, uh, if you ask me. Now, as for DeMarco Hellams, he had a nice night on special teams. I didn't notice anything noteworthy on defense, but again, checked out for large chunks of the game. We'll see if, if something stands out when I rewatch the game uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning. But, you know, to me, on special teams, DeMarco Hellams got a lot of reps on pers as the personal protector on the punt team, right? And Micah Abernathy, the player that he's been competing with for the fourth or fifth safety role, was the guy that in the first two preseason games got the vast majority of snaps, like seven out of the eight punts, he got all those snaps. And because of that, I figured Micah Abernathy would stick and the Falcons would be forced to have to keep five safeties, right? So that they could keep Helms and Abernathy. But I thought Helms looked good as the personal protector, made a couple of nice stops in coverage, including that touchdown saving tackle. Abernathy did get a lot of run as a gunner in this game. And I thought looked really good in that capacity. And that matters because there's an injury to Kadero Hodge. And we don't know if he's going to be out week one, uh, that ankle injury that we're worried about maybe being a high ankle sprain. And going into the summer, we thought, you know, Trey Flowers and Kadero Hodge were the front runners to be the, the gunners on punt team. But with Flowers potentially stepping in for an injured Jeff Okuda as a starter, is he going to be a gunner on the punt team? And with Hodge's injury status, you don't know. And so I think Abernathy stepping up and showing that he can do that 
gives the Falcons another option, right? Mac Holland, Scotty Miller, Cordero Patterson, Mike Hughes all have experience in that gunner role, but having another option there, because, you know, I think in several of those players' cases, I don't know if the Falcons want those guys out there uh, on the punt team covering punts and whatnot. So I thought it was a good night for both Helms and Abernathy. We'll talk a little bit more about why I think uh, or who I think is going to make this roster, but I, I still would put both of those guys on the roster, mostly because of their special teams value and having that value is going to be meaningful because as I told Jarvis Davis on the postcast, um, you know, it, it would, if they're playing significant snaps on defense, it means something bad has happened, right? That there were multiple injuries at the safety position that would lead to DeMarco Helms or Micah Abernathy's playing significant reps. So if they're going to play on Sundays, which I think they will, it will be primarily on special teams and hopefully only on special teams. Although, you know, we, we saw good things from Helms in the preseason, but you know, I think people would probably need to pump the brakes before they think that's going to immediately translate to the regular season going up against, you know, the starters and, and whatnot, but that's a conversation for another day. So Good to see both uh, Helms and Abernathy making plays on special teams. Good to see Clark Phillips showing that he is not going to shirk away uh, in run support. Like, you know, I think he kind of did a lot in college, which was forgivable because, like, you're the star of that Utah defense. And so if you're out here, you know, throwing your body around, getting hurt, like, it's going to hurt your team. But, you know, in the NFL, like, that, you know, we're, we're a long ways from Clark Phillips getting the Deion Sanders treatment is basically what I'm saying. So uh, good to see that from both of those guys. So we'll wrap up today's episode reviewing my 53-man roster prediction. Not a whole lot of things that at least um, initial viewing that I would change from that, but we'll sort of recap, you know, some of the key position battles going into this night and sort of who sort of helped and hurt themselves at some of these spots. And we'll break that down to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, we are still in the month of August, which means it is draft season. And underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football because it's the best place to play best ball. We've all experienced that time when you, you know, set your lineup and the player on your bench goes off and you feel frustrated or the player that you started, you know, struggled. You don't have to worry about that with best ball. It's a set it and forget it. Underdog's going to put your best lineup forward. And if you don't play fantasy football, best ball is the best way absolutely to get in on um you know playing fantasy football for the first time it's one draft no waivers no trades they're going to set your lineup for you and the best way to try it is with underdogs massive best ball mania tournament right where the you know there's prizes up to 15 million dollars up for grabs the winner gets 30 million dollars right so it's not too late to, to go and sign up. Visit underdogfantasy.com. You can find them in the app store as well. Sign up with the promo code locked on and you'll get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Again, that's promo code locked on underdog fantasy to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Okay, let's see. Graphics. Nope. Graphics. All right. We got graphics. So um, these graphics are from Wednesday's episode where um, I was joined by Kevin Knight and we sort of did our dueling 53 man roster projections. Um, so go check that out episode if you want to get deeper insight into all all of this stuff. But just going to go over for those of you, um, 
you know, that listen to that episode or watch that episode, sort of where I would change things. And so I wouldn't really change much, you know, starting with the quarterback position. The, the question has been, would the Falcons keep three quarterbacks? Right. And I didn't initially project that Kevin did. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a scary moment in Thursday night's game where late in the game, um, Barry Wesley, I think it was, gave up a, a, a QB hit where Logan Woodside was in his windup and sort of the ball got hit out of his hand. It resulted in a turnover. Uh, but he's sort of, you know, someone texted me and was like, that's basically how Brock Purdy got hurt. Um, and so Logan Woodside went down and was in a lot of pain, but did come back in the game, did throw the football. So, um, you know, part of me sits here and wonders, like, should I read into that? Because last year, or I can't remember if it was last year or the previous year, there was a lot of times in recent memory where players would go back into the game for the Falcons. They would get hurt in a the game, then go back in. And then the next week they'd go on IR. So like, I wonder, I'm not 100% convinced that we won't see something similar happen with Logan Woods. I just, because I've been burned too many times by that in the past. So my personal opinion, I don't think there's really any necessary need to keep three quarterbacks in the roster. They changed the rules so that you can basically get an extra player on the active roster if you carry a third quarterback on your roster but you can only get that value if your two starter your two top quarterbacks get hurt in a game so it's like it's only really relevant to a situation like what happened with the 49ers in the NFC championship game when both Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson whoever got hurt in that game so like I don't feel like the Falcons need to keep three but you know Woodside's played well he's definitely done enough to earn it but I just think We'll, we'll see how that all plays out and with the injury that may complicate things a certain a bit. Let's talk about the wide receiver five position. I had Penny Hart making it mostly due to his special teams value. This still remains a toss up position. I, I don't feel like anybody really sort of took the bull by the horns at any point this preseason to take that job. You know, I think a lot of this may be, depend on Kadero Hodges health, right? There's something that we're going to have to monitor. Right. Like if, if Kadero Hodge is going to miss like a game or two, then I don't know if the Falcons are going to really feel the effort to go outside the organization to upgrade that spot or whatever. Right. They'll just kind of roll with one of these guys and it could be Penny Hart. It could be Josh Ali. It could be JJ Ortega, Whiteside, Xavier Malone, somebody else. Um, it could be any of those guys. But if what we're worried about is that high ankle sprain and Kadero Hodges misses a month or something like that, then I, I think you could see the Falcons going out there and getting outside help. So let's move on to the uh, trenches and look at the offensive line, right? Um, you know, the fact that Ryan Newsel and Kyle Hinton got an early hook in this game to me is a strong indication that they're probably going to make the 53 right now. I could see Hinton getting, booted if you know a good guard comes along on the waiver wire and the falcons are like we want that guy he you know that guy's started games in the nfl rather than you know kyle hinton i could see him getting a boot but otherwise he's probably like the seventh offensive lineman now that eighth offensive lineman would be the swing tackle and i would probably say of the candidates josh miles tyler vrabel Jalen mayfield barry wesley miles seemed to have the best game from what i saw he didn't have a great game but he seemed to have the best game of that group uh, but I would be shocked that the Falcons stood pat at the swing tackle position. I'm fully expecting them to start making phone calls, whether that's for trades, whether that's scouring the waiver wire, whether that's giving Jason Peters to get, you know, that 58 year old offensive tackle out of retirement um, or something like that. You know, where's Makai Beckton at trade? You know, I don't know, but 
I, I fully expect the Falcons to to aggressively try to upgrade this swing tackle position uh, moving forward. So uh, with the defensive front seven, no real changes here. You know, taking some shots on the practice squad, guys. I feel like Mike Jones did enough in this game to make the practice squad. Andre Smith made, again, some good plays against the run, but he seems to be a liability in coverage. You know, Delonte Scott as an edge rusher, who knows? LaKeel London, who knows? Albert Huggins and Joe Gazzi, again, who knows? So we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like, you know, as as Kevin predicted, you know, I think Gaziano could make the roster, uh, but we'll just sort of have to see on that one. Let's move on to the secondary. As I said earlier, I think the Falcons still will keep five safeties with both Helms and Micah Abernathy sticking on the roster. Uh, the question is going to be, do they keep seven corners? And again, I think a lot of that is tied to the health of Jeff Akuda and especially Mike Hughes, right? Like we, we kind of know Jeff Akuda is probably not going to be back week one um, unless, you know, something major happens in the next week or two. Um, we don't know about Mike Hughes because it's that soft tissue injury, right? Similar to what Cordero Patterson is experiencing. And, you know, we don't know what exact nature of the soft tissue injury is. Is it a hamstring? And, and a, as I've mentioned before in the podcast, hamstrings tend to linger, right, with, with players. So we'll we'll just sort of have to see. But, you know, I did have Darren Hall making it as the seventh corner. Let's talk about Darren Hall as well as these other 2021 draft picks that were on the bubble entering the summer. Um, I don't think Hall had a bad preseason I just don't think he really did anything to stand out in a major way. Like Breon Borders and Natron Brooks had bad plays, but they also made plays. And Darren Hall just kind of, to me, just was there, right? Not not having bad plays, but not having really positive plays either. And so, like, I feel like he'll probably, if if, the, if they need to keep carrying extra body due to the injuries to Okuda and Hughes, like he's probably the guy. You know, Breon Borders is suspended for two games. Um, even if he didn't have as bad a night as he did against Steelers, like he still wouldn't be a guy that could replace that. So it would basically be Natron Brooks is probably the next man up at that point. And so I'm guessing the Falcons, if they need to keep an extra body, they'll probably, you know, keep Hall just because he's played in the actual NFL games rather than Brooks. But we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. But it's part of that conversation we had at the beginning of the summer, which was, you know, there were several 2021 draft picks like Jalen Mayfield, Darren Hall, Adi Ogundeji, and Frank Darby that were on the bubble going into this in this training camp. And, you know, Darby went on IR. They just cut him with an injury settlement, which means that theoretically they could bring him back uh, and re-sign him at a later date, I don't know, like a month or two down the road or something like that. Ogundeji's on IR. We'll see if the Falcons do something similar to that. I feel like Mayfield's at best a practice squad player at this point, as I projected earlier, right? Um you know, like I, if the Falcons keep him on the roster, it'll only be because they drafted him in the third round at this point in time, right? You know, he did not outplay Josh Miles. He did not outplay Tyler Vrabel. He did not outplay Barry Wesley. And if you, again, if you're an everyday on this podcast, like you, you knew that was coming because I told you guys, like he was, you know, on day one of training camp when we did the breakdown of like, we spent 10 minutes on why Jalen Mayfield moving the right tackle was not going to salvage his career in the ways that a lot of Falcon fans would want you to believe. Um, but, you know, I'm just a hater. So, you know, I just, you know, I'm just a hater that happens to be right. But, uh, you know, it happens all the time. Um, I've, I've gotten used to it at this point in time. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I don't think Mayfield's going to make it. Um, 
and Hall right now is at a point where like if he's if he's making on the 53, it's only because Jeff Akuda and Hughes are hurt, right? That the minute those guys are back healthy, I don't know if the Falcons are carrying Darren Hall in the roster. And then at that point, he's a practice squad guy. But more than likely, some other team is going to come along and say, well, you know what, we'll we'll scoop this guy up on our back end of our, you know, once injuries start happening in the middle of the season, he might get a, an opportunity somewhere else. So, you know, I, I it feels like tonight might have been the last time, probably is the last time Jalen Mayfield plays for the Falcons. It, you know, the last, you know, Maybe he's on the practice squad. I don't know. Um, we might have seen the, already the last of both Deji and, and Frank Darby. And, you know, I don't know if we've seen the last of Darren Hall, but it, it could be on that. So, um, you know, none of those guys really stepped up in the ways that we want. Darby was having a, a pretty good camp. Uh, I'll say that. Um, but none of those guys really stepped up uh, outside of Darby in the ways that we were hoping to see, you know, that year three jump that we didn't get to see the year two jump. So, that's it, guys. Um, I'll I will rewatch the game Friday unless you know something crazy pops out that I missed when I was you know you know f- halfway falling asleep through the second quarter. Um, you know, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I was uh, the reason why I brought that up was like I might do another show. Like I'm not doing another show. I'm just sitting here going, I'm not doing another show. Like you know, basically, unless there was a sniper on the roof, you know that was taken out Falcon play like it, it ain't worthy of, of a second show. So <laughs> I'm not doing the second show. So uh, we'll be back probably Sunday evening on YouTube, Monday morning on your preferred podcast platform. We you know talking more about potential cuts and any developments over the weekend trade talk. We might get into some trade candidates and whatnot as we watch other games. So that will be something in store for you on uh, next week's show, continue to make us your first listen. In the meantime, check out the Locked On NFL podcast to get the scoop on the other 31 NFL teams playing their preseason finals this weekend. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.